This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. This podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. Get on there. They're killing it. It's expanding. It's growing. All of it is happening. Um, we are, we've got BeatSource link inside of all of your favorite DJ software and hardware with more to come. You can DJ off the cloud that way. It's so amazing. Go on the website and peep it out. Also, we've got playlists being built out these curated playlists uh, we've got the 20 playlist which every week we got 20 new songs for open format djs that sh- they should be listening to and playing along with every genre you could imagine so specialized and the music goes way back in time way forward it's super dope so get on beat source if you have not already shout to my beat source family dj city Love you guys, and I love you guys, the listeners, the beat sorcerers, the people that are making this happen, the community. You guys are great. I get so much feedback every week from you guys all over the world. Um, I love it. I get super interesting um, things that I wouldn't even think of, from questions to stories to Uh, the perspective of DJs in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. So keep it coming. Hit me on Instagram at DJ Spider. I really appreciate all the messages. I love connecting with you guys, sending me your stuff and all that. Uh, I'm on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash DJ Spider. And you can just hit my website for everything. D-E-E-J-A-Y-S-P-I-D-E-R.com has links to everything on there and all the stuff. Make sure you rate and review in the Apple Podcast Store. Um, get this out to more people. That Your support helps a lot in spreading the word and telling people and just growing the podcast. And also hit me with um, guest suggestions. I want to know who you want on here. Um, because today we have an amazing guest. Really special guest for you today. Uh, it's someone who is, is just a super dope uh, producer, MC, DJ, He's the ambassador for Caribbean music and culture. He's one-third of the massive group Major Lazer. Might give you a hint on who it is. He has a truly global sound, this person, bringing together artists from all over, geographically and stylistically. Um, He's been part of some of the biggest songs ever. Uh, He's worked with some of the biggest artists ever, like Beyonce. He's introduced us to artists that will be the biggest and have now been become part of the culture like coffee um and then now during quarantine he's not doing his normal 300 shows a year all over the world in every continent and he started doing something called quarantine sound clashes which have been unbelievable and now he's started his new uh sound clash on serato every saturday called no jing bang Super dope. I watched it this Saturday. Go peep the archive if you hadn't and tune into the one this Saturday coming up. Uh, It was amazing. He had a dude from Poland battling a dude from Brooklyn while other people in the Caribbean were judging and everyone in the chat. Really dope. So go peep that and shout to the Serato family. Uh, On this episode, he drops a ton of knowledge, tells some amazing, great stories that I can't wait for you guys to hear. And it was truly an honor having this guy on the podcast. Please give it up for Walshy Fire. Walshy Fire, let's go. 
Wall Street Fire, what's happening? Welcome to the 20 Podcast. Much respect. Yeah. Feeling great, man. Feeling great. Yeah. Where are you uh, calling us from? Uh, somewhere in the Caribbean, man. You know. Okay. Super low key. We're here, though. Yeah. So, yo, thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. I know you're busy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, putting out endless music and doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I caught you... Uh, like, I know you've been doing these quarantine sound clashes the whole time during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I caught the one Saturday on Serato's channel, um, the No Jing Bang. Dope. That was, yeah, that was really dope. I mean, I'd never seen, there was someone from Poland on there, which was kind of interesting. I'd never seen battling the dude from Brooklyn. And uh, Yeah, it was pretty dope. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm really pleased with the... Uh with how that went and I'm also very happy that Serato is on board and we're able to get um, I believe something that is very niche very underground um, some exposure to the brands and the people that don't get to see it normally yeah exactly I think that um, you know like people have been saying there's silver linings and different stuff for the quarantine and mm-hmm. that's one of them you're able to really connect everyone globally through the sound clash and also like educate younger DJs or people that are not as familiar with like that style. Right. Um, you know, bring it to them and then have someone from Poland battling someone, uh, you know, in Brooklyn while you're in the Caribbean and you got, uh, everyone else on there too. So absolutely, man. I, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was so dope and, uh, you know, plus, like they have DJ battles, but I don't think people understand like in the sound clashes, like how much the mic is used, you know? And uh... <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually the uh, the one thing that is going to be the hardest part of the sound system sound clash clashing. Uh, it's like that's the ultimate hurdle for yeah. your your normal music lover is they don't really understand that the personality is probably more important than the music in a, in a sound clash, you know, your presentation is probably, you know, more important than the music. Cause we've seen people play songs that were incredibly amazing, big songs. Yeah. And the presentation just wasn't right. And so therefore the people just don't rock with it. And right. so, you know, having good music is key, of course, but the presenter is what I think really um, wins the clash. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, seeing like someone like Bobby Condors on there, like yeah, he, he's an absolute master at that, obviously, along with a lot of other people. But but you're right. And, and also, it's crazy to see because it's such a thing where you want the energy of the crowd and you're trying to translate it to Twitch or some type of streaming yeah, thing. Very difficult. It and is. You can't, really, you can't really look at the chat. Right. Engage if you're doing good, you just need to keep playing. And then usually you'll look at the chat after you're done playing your round and then you'll see if you were good or not. And if you weren't good, you'll see it, you know, but it's not the same. Um, it's not. Are you from New York? Where are you from? No, I'm from L.A. OK, yeah, man, because you sounded like you knew a lot about it. So 
no, I mean, I, I love it. I've been, you know, I'm older DJ, so I've been around a lot of it. I definitely went to New York a lot and would be so into, I mean, I come from the days, yeah, 90s hip hop and all that. Mm -hmm. And I loved going to New York and finding those records that they would press with like Super Cat over the hip hop beats. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's all uh, Salam Remy and, yeah. and those, you know, yeah. Yeah. Great I used to and, work at uh, Beach Street Records in New York. Oh, legendary. Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember I'm being part, at. I'm a part of a real legacy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Beat Street Records, for people that don't know, is one of the most legendary spots in New York City. And I mean, for hip hop, like, you would go there in the 90s and, and the mid 90s, late 90s, right? And just that was like one of the meccas of. It was a mecca. It was a mecca for sure, yeah. man. It was incredible. Spend the whole day. Yeah. I know. I, I think that, you know, we have a lot of like listeners on this podcast that are younger and they might not know the connection of like the Jamaican sound clash and hip hop and even with Cool Herc and the way that it, you know, transitioned into um, being in New York and, and how like modern day DJing is like, mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Do you think you could break down any history from that or? Uh, I mean, there's a yes. Yeah, you can't really break it down in one sentence, man. It's of such course. A long, yeah. So, you know, hopefully everybody will hit that Google and do some research. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think that that's something that um, people should like look into, and they'll have yeah. a better understanding of just the connection of DJing music, the battling, the way the mic is used, the way that the songs are used, and it's not just like exactly like playing a song. And um, you know, I think I saw you on another show. Um, playing something by DJs where they would make the songs their own, you know, and use like a word in the song and then be able to rap over it and just bring it in there. And I yeah, think that was like Miami style. Yeah, man, I love that. It was so Miami style. That's what I grew up on, really, because I finished high school in Miami. Right. And yeah, we call it a mic check in or regulating um, and basically transforming the song into something totally different. And for the people, since we're going to be guiding people to Google, um, you know, Uncle Al. It's probably the best, most notarized person for it uh, alongside Jam Pony Express. So if you want to get an understanding of what we're talking about, I would suggest you YouTube those two people, Uncle Al, A-L, and uh, Jam Pony Express, and you'll understand. Yeah, exactly. I think it, that's what gives birth to the, like, D when DJs try to do wordplay and put in a little word here and there, it's so next level the way that they used yeah. to do it. And there's kind of no djs that do that right now in the same way yeah mm -hmm. um but i think that was an important part of it you know um Absolutely. and uh yeah i mean i think that um do you think that you're going to do those sound clashes going forward like whether we whenever we get back into the world or not you know what to me everything um is just dependent on what the people want and yeah. so i love doing them and if the people are still into it absolutely um, but if the people are like, yo, we're back in regular life and we're not, we don't want to, we don't want to watch it anymore. Absolutely fine as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, but I, it's dope. I like seeing it like from that perspective, you know, like, it, cause you see little clips of stuff if it's a live event and you try to understand it, but being able to watch beginning to end on Serato and like even seeing where they started out with their intros and then where it ended off and like, yeah. they were pretty mad at each other. It seemed like yeah. <laughs> funny right because then at the very end they both salute each other and they're like man listen everything i said about your mom <laughs> yo do you know it was just in, in jest you know we're all good and everybody's fine it's amazing yeah 
Yeah, he was really going in on his mom in the very beginning. Yeah, pretty <laughs> hard. From Brooklyn. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. I was like, wow, they actually want to kill each other. But then by the end, yeah, exactly. They're saluting each other. It's all in yeah. good fun. And I think that's what people should... Like those whole versus battles that they're doing now. People are like, who won? I'm like, I think it's also just a celebration. We don't need to put yeah. the negative connotation to it. It's Correct. Like- and I think that uh, I fought a long time with that. I, I actually prefer the no winner endings. Yeah. Because for me personally, um, it's just a show. And at the end, uh, I'd rather everyone go and discuss for, for forever on who they think won than do an actual winner. But this is a competition. Uh, we're going to have a semifinals and a finals. And so we do have to actually have somebody advance and things like that, you know? Right. Yeah. I can't wait to see the end. Uh, mm-hmm. so what it goes for eight weeks. Yeah. Eight okay. Weeks. Dope. Um, and then what's the story behind the, the name of it? No Jing Bang. Uh, so there's a guy that you saw hosting it with me named Chris Diamond. Yeah. And basically Jing Bang is a Jamaican way to say like, no, no trash, no foolishness, no okay. stupidness. And so, yeah, when you see something, when you see something that's um, not doing well, you immediately want to be like, "Man, that's a jingbang," you know? Right. But uh, yeah, right. It's just like no, nothing whack, no stupidity, right. or nothing whack, right? Um, dope all right cool well yeah people check that out it's on serato every every weekend right every saturday correct dope. 4 p.m new york time nice yeah. and i i know you were mentioning like growing up in miami and your dj sets there and and that kind of thing and and like uncle al and stuff mm-hmm. and i i was there i think in december um i i did a set at uh, wood tavern and dope. i think you were doing a set like uh, the night at one at, at Wood Tavern or one eight hundred Lucky. It was like because I know Wood Tavern. Uh, the guy from DC, I forgot his name, Tracy, uh, DJ Tracy something. I can't remember his name. He booked me for Wood Tavern. So yeah, right. Yeah, I uh, saw. I was out there for the week, and I think I saw you like at Coyo Taco, do some crazy, yeah. insane night. Rum and bass. Yeah, that Rum- was, that's insane. Yeah. Yo, that was unbelievable. And then, yeah, 1-800-LUCKY, they took me by there. I don't know if I caught your set there, but I saw you at Wood Tavern. I think it was the next night. Yeah. And it was just so mind-blowing to me how, like, you were killing it, actually. You know, at Coyo Tacos, very, like, dance hall and Afro beats, and, mm-hmm. and you're on the mic mm-hmm. like crazy, you know. Coyo Tacos probably 80% microphone. Which was amazing. And you and kept bringing vibes. it back. Such <laughs> vibes. Like the way you were hyping it up. It was just the ultimate master class in using the microphone, yeah. mixed with music, mixed with yeah. the crowd. And being part of the crowd and reading the crowd. It's not all about you. You are making right. it all about the crowd. Right. You're just right, there right. to sort of like facilitate it. You know. And what's crazy is I, I, I want to tell people, man, I really do hope we get back to normal. Because you see, yeah. Koyo Taco, it's probably the most unique experience uh, rum and bass is probably the most unique experience I think uh, a young generation of people will get. Now, older generations, I would never say that because right. there were crazy dope MCs that and DJs that could read a crowd and go, and the crowd will go crazy. Like I never went to the tunnel in New York, for example, but I can only imagine what Funkmaster Flex was doing at the tunnel has to be on par with the kind of madness that I'm doing at rum and bass at Coyo. But with that being said, I do think that the young generation, the, you know, the people that really go out right now, you know, 
21 to, to 25. Yeah. I think that for them, they're like scratching their heads and going, this is, I can't go anywhere, not just Miami, not just America. <laughs> I can't go anywhere in the world and get this. This is a true masterclass of MCN and reading a crowd and making everyone feel so involved. Everyone yes. feels so participate, uh, participatory. Yeah. Um, I've made lots of famous people from that night because if I see somebody doing something that I believe is a little bit special, a little bit standoutish, and I mean, it could just be wearing a shirt. Right. I stop the music and I make them the show. And of course, because I'm saying everything positive, I'm not dissing nothing negative. Yeah. Whatever it is that they're doing, whether it be their hairstyle, uh, their shirt, the way they were dancing, they then become a loyal follower of this night because they know, yo, when I step in, people will remember that night that he shouted me out about my hair or my shirt or my dance. And they'll be expecting this from me every single Tuesday now. And so now this person comes every Tuesday. Like there was this girl, she's like six foot five or six, huge. Um, and she wasn't skinny either. She was really, really, really huge. Yeah. Uh, but so beautiful and just like, yo, as soon as she stepped in the first time, uh, I stopped the party and I began to sing, um, she's, she's my queen to be. I don't know if you remember that from uh, Coming to America. Coming to America, yeah. Yeah, and the whole crowd. And I'm talking, she's giant. She's a giant in this room. And right. she's walking in, and I see her. And then I start singing it, and I'm, I stop the music. And I'm like, yeah, everybody look at the girl. And then everybody's looking at her, and she's like, oh, my God, what did I do? And then I start to sing it, and then the whole crowd starts to sing it. And then she just continues to walk to where she was going. But everybody was just, like, applauding, and they were like, yo, you know, you're the you're 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 a queen. You're a true queen. And she was just there, like I've never been to a party. Like, cause I spoke to her after, and she was like, I've never been to a party where somebody said that and somebody stopped the music to like do that. And of course, you know, I think in her own self, she was like, I'm the last person that somebody would would stop the music and call out in a positive way. And so. Those moments, man, you don't understand how much they fed my soul and how much joy and happiness I gained from doing the Tuesday night and I really miss it badly yeah I'm sure I mean it, it's it's legendary like you said but I think that there's something about the community and that's something that somewhat translates on Twitch in, in a way and some streaming platforms more than others um, but you're never going to get the exact same thing but mm -hmm. I, I think that's just an important lesson to DJs uh, as a whole whether they're old or young or coming up or they're trying to throw their own party like Yes, you have to be dope and you have to represent in a dope way, but it's about everyone there. It's about the community and the crowd and building that up and and encouraging them as much as like what you're bringing to it. Yeah, man, I agree. Um, and then also your DJ set, I mean, was super dope, of course, there. But like you said, the mic work. But then at Wood Tavern, I mean, I didn't catch your whole set, but I caught a chunk of it and you were playing like, aha take on me and then mixing in bobby Schmurda, yeah. literally yeah, like yeah. halftime into it and then playing Facts. like a rock song i think like the ramones i don't know what it was a, a rock song right. and then and then just killed it talked to him for a few minutes and then put on all this miami shit that i didn't even know and i tried to do right. my research on all the music 
everyone's singing the words i feel like whoa how do i not know what's happening you know and let me tell you something man it's a sad it's almost like a sad segment of my of my dj and so basically like that night i wouldn't have said much and i would have just actually played um but the miami segment is a sad sad segment the reason why is because all of that music stopped about 2008 2009 right and so it's strictly reminiscing at this point for some, I, you know, I, I have my theories of why Miami music stopped being popular in Miami. But uh, yeah, 2008, 2009 is when it stopped. And then you just had the, the more popular American hip hop take over. Right. And, you know, like I said, to me, that's sad because we actually had our own thing. We had our own sound. We had our own dances. It was an energy. And I mean, if you could only imagine 2007, 2008, that would have not only been the highlight of the party, it would have been uh, the majority of the party. You would have been listening to those songs, um, the big ones and uh, the, the, the smaller ones. Now, I can only play the big ones and I can only play it in a reminiscing type of tone. And uh, it's very sad. It's sad, man, to be from Miami and to watch um, how everybody would much rather listen to you know um a megan the stallion or a cardi b over their own miami artists and of course respect to those two artists but there was a time um trick was on top man like yo you just listen to every you were just like yo you know he's playing you know and like songs like take it to the house and um oh man and so many you know um um you know nan like those are just so miami yeah and it had a, yo, you just felt so proud to be from the crib, as we call it. And then it just stopped, you know. And I, like I said, I have my theories as to why it stopped. But um, it, those moments, man, I'm glad you were able to hear it and see it. Because uh, that's only a fraction of what it felt like in 2008 and uh, 2007. Yeah, I'm sure. But I, I, like, I was even with some way younger DJs that are from, like, you know, a different generation. And, mm. you know, it, you still could see it like they knew a lot of it or they're being influenced by it or, or learning. So I think mm -hmm. there's still an element of keeping it alive and the storyteller element right. of it, whether it's around or not. Uh, right. So I, I agree with that. I think that one, those songs were really, really, really good. Like yeah. for everyone out there listening, I would encourage them to go listen to a song uh, by grind mode called, uh, well, DJ Chipman did the original It's called on and on. And then you could, uh, Oh yeah um i'm so high no 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 sorry ecstasy ecstasy right. grind mode ecstasy if you want to kind of understand that miami energy and feel what i'm trying to translate verbally and you're just like yo i just need to hear the song yeah. grind mode ecstasy uh chipman um beam ah or on and on is 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 the people call it but either way though though that like grind mode ecstasy man it's just undeniable. You know, I remember the first time I went to New York was 1994. And uh, I went to a DJ, a party on the docks. And DJ Culture was DJing, who hired me on the spot to work at Beach Street. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, DJ Culture was DJing, and he played a bunch of songs I had never heard before. He played uh, Alias, Follow Me. I never heard that song in my life. Um, he played um, Hot Music by Soho. Hot music. Boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. 
and he played, you know, um, I want to thank you, Heavenly Father. He played those three songs, and I was literally the only person in the room that did not know what was going on and why everyone had started breakdancing and moving on the floor. And they like the footwork, everybody's footwork was crazy. And, you know, of course, there was big songs at the time. There was Fuji's were out, Wu-Tang was out. I mean, there were huge hip hop songs, but nothing did anything like those songs. You know, he would play, uh, uh, is it Ke Kenny Burke, uh, Keep Rising to the Top, Kevin yep. Burke, I can't remember. Yeah, um, no, Kenny yeah. Burke, yeah, that bass Kenny line. Burke, yeah. yeah. Yo, crazy, right? And just imagine, crazy. like, I'm, I'm a teenager, and I'm in this party, and here's this guy with, doing a master class on music that was before his time, but it meant so much to New York. And I was just sitting there saying to myself, like, this is the feeling that I, I, I never want to get rid of. I never want to, you know, not have this feeling. To me, this feeling is, is, is every part of uh, everything to me. And I just really appreciate those moments because I realized I have to do that to other people. And I have to give those meaning, those fun, those things to other people, you know? And so for me, it's just a very much, you know, it's a very, uh, it's a very um, emotional thing, music, you know? And I love to play it and I love to be able to, uh, to convey that emotion to other people. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think I understand the sadness, but also the importance of it, you know? Uh, yeah, so that, that's what I was saying was the DJs that you were talking about, I think that even if they never heard the song ever, they would be like, yo, I need that song. Yeah. And that's why I say it's sad, um, but it's also good that the songs were that good that it, they just stand the test of time, you know? And so anyone, anywhere could just be like, yo, Grind Mode Ecstasy is just a great song. It doesn't matter if it was 10 years old, you know? Yeah, exactly. And same with those songs you mentioned. I mean, I remember hearing Soho Hop music for the first time and just... My mind was blown. I was like, how can I find this? What is that? And, and same thing. Right. Everyone starts breaking to it. And all those songs you mentioned. I mean, they're, those are magical songs that I feel like you could play for 24 hours straight. You wouldn't get sick of it. They're like so amazing. So true. Yeah. Like and, I, saw, I saw this guy one time. Sorry to cut you off. I saw no, this guy okay. one time. And he had a tattoo that ran the full length of his arm. It started here and it ran all the way down. Yeah. And it said, show me love. Yeah. And I had to stop and ask him. I was like, is that for the song? And then he looked at me and said, it's the greatest song ever. And I was like, it is. <laughs> it is. It is the greatest song ever, you know? And the tattoo made sense. It was big black letters that said, show me love. And I said, yo, one day I'm going to create a song that hopefully somebody will be like, that song is the greatest song ever. I got to tattoo that thing the full length of my body part, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Now, that's amazing. And I know you're all about pushing positivity through your music and stuff. So to have a, one of the greatest songs ever be called Show Me Love, you know, and, and that kind of vibe, I think, mm -hmm. is huge, too. Yeah, man. And so, like, you know, you talk about coming up in Miami. Um, did you have any DJ mentors or big influences like that made your style like that and so diverse and all over For sure, place. man. I, I Just to name them quick, uh, Uncle Al Jamponi, uh, Vicious Funk, Triple M DJs, um, Ghetto Style DJs, which was Luke, uh, uh, Luther Campbell's uh, DJ crew. Right. Um, and then on the reggae side, you had Black Shadow Sound, you had Waggy T Movement, you had Poison Art, you had Rhythm Force, you have... I mean, it's just, a, it's just the weirdest thing to grow up in Miami. And the section of Miami I grew up in was Carroll City. And just to see how that Caribbean and American side just clashed and created these amazing DJs doing amazing music. 
Yeah, exactly. And you had your own crew, uh, Black Chiny, right? That, um, I mean, obviously was a huge influence in all of music culture and DJing culture and was uh, one of the biggest influences for Major Lazer mm -hmm. as well, right? Yeah, very much. Um, and so people need, that's another thing to Google out there and look up uh, Black Chiny. Mm -hmm. And just see that, like, kind of what your guys' influence was on the whole thing. And that led you to everything you're doing today, basically, right? Correct. Um, and so, um, is there, like, and then just in terms of, of DJing those spots and how, like, you can play a different spot in Miami or all over the world so differently. Is there, like, a difference of playing for yourself versus the crowd? I mean, I know, but is there something you could speak to that, to the other DJs out there? Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know what I would say about it, but yeah, there's lots of nights that um, you're like, yo, um, I'm just going to play some stuff that I love. Like when it comes to like house music, for in instance, if it's a night where I can play house music, most likely I'll play the songs that I like. And I won't really think about what song is going to get like the reaction from the crowd or the, the the number one song on the chart so i won't do that right um you know but if it's a hip-hop night i know i have to be conscious of that and i need to play the um the hot song and you know that there's a whole echo ecosystem around uh a hip-hop night you know with the bottles and the um you know the atmosphere and how those sales get pushed by certain songs so you know i'm well aware of that so yeah it depends on the night for sure right yeah, the bottle service thing. I mean, we'll see where if that even comes back or, or what happens right. with that world. <laughs> um, I know I heard you tell a story before about like seeing the first bottle ever get bought in a club. <laughs> Yo, it's a crazy story because dude literally was like, yeah, he was a big time drug dealer. And I just remember the bar, to, uh, the bar staff calling the owner, uh, well, the, I guess the person who ran the bar, but I want to say it was the owner of the club. And them just trying to figure out how to do this. What? what do you mean you want the whole bottle? Why would you want the whole bottle? What are you going to do with that? You know, <laughs> and we don't, you know, there's no tables. There's no, there's nothing. And dude just, you know, was like, yo, how much are you going to give me for the bottle? Dude sits down, pulls out a pen and paper and tries to do the math and figure out like how much cups he would have made. And, you know, and I mean, he probably was like, okay, well, I paid $24 for the bottle. I make $200 from the bottle. So, Give me 200. Like, he probably would have just done that, right? Right. And just to see this guy walk away with the bottle, man, and just see him put it on the floor and just to see everybody's face like, whoa. <laughs> He's got a bottle. Right. He's got the whole bottle. And just to know that those moments spark. And, you know, it, you know it's just a thing, right? Everything has, a, has an origin story. Everything has an origin story. And... Most people are not interested in the origin, sto origin stories of everything. I, I am, though. I want to know what begat, begat, begat. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, same. And so I find that I have my origin story of the bottle service thing. And I'm sure if I were to really do some research and find out other people's origins of the bottle story, we could get down to it. We can find out who was the first person to buy a bottle <laughs> at a club. That's like the ultimate investigative journalism yeah. for DJs. <laughs> yeah, man, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's exactly. And I think it just that all comes from DJing too, like hip hop, wanting to find the mm. sample, you know, real when you were listening to hip hop and then realizing, wait, they didn't make that beat. That like that right. comes from this, that comes from these songs, soul music and this. Yeah, song. I think the first time I even heard of the sample was like, whoa, was um, um, Microphone Fiend, uh, Rakim. 
So Microphone right. Fiend is, is the hot song at the time, but you see the original song, the boom, 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 boom. That was a big song in Miami. Like as far as like just young guys DJing funk music, because that's really what Miami DJs were doing, right. was they would just play funk all day long and just talk over it, talk over it, talk over it. That oh, was wow. a big song, regardless of Rakim. Right. For the youth. Yeah. And so when Rakim does his version, you know, and of course he's from New York, he doesn't know anything about this being a big song in Miami. Uh, it blew my mind. I was like, yo, that's that song that I hear all the DJs playing, you know? And so it's just one of those things where sampling is one of those um, like light, light bulb, where it like you just literally are like, yo, I figured out what life is about as soon as you realize what a sample is, you know? It's so true. Yeah. And then it'll just send you down this like rabbit hole of trying to find everything. It just makes you more yeah. curious. I mean, DJing is all life and everything is just all about curiosity and yeah. continuing to learn and share it with each other, I think. And For like, sure. That's why we have so much fun as DJs. Like, have you heard this? Or, you know, I found this artist that no one else knows. And I want right. to, you know, share it, help them blow up to the world. Right. I know that's why I wanted to DJ. I wanted to play songs, some random white label record I found that nobody has and, right. you know, get it out there. So, yeah, I mean, um, what about, you know, we keep talking about the mic work and, and stuff. I know a lot of DJs nowadays, like, that's not... A big thing and that was something i noticed going to miami for my first time was the djs were on the mic so much more than anywhere besides like new york or something i would even i would say it's very i would say new york is second now new york does it a lot yes but i think new york is second when it comes to this microphone thing the miami djs really really talk on the right. mic bro but yeah good no, you're right. It was some of the first times I had heard like DJ sets where every in between every song there was either a story or some kind of build up or some kind mm -hmm. of where are these people at okay, boom, this is for you, mm -hmm. and then we're doing this, mm -hmm. you know. And it was like mind blowing to me because I came up in LA, you know, I'm watching DJ AM and and people that are never on the mic, you know, even Jazzy mm -hmm. Jeff, he'll have an MC with him, but. It wasn't like normal to me and something I had to learn through my career. Like, mm -hmm. um, what's like, do you have any advice for DJs that want to get on the mic and don't know how or like, no, I anything don't. I got? No, just nothing. No, because if you're not going to, if you're not, if you're scared, it, that's the only thing is to overcome this right. fear, right? Yeah. After that, everything else is practice. So it's like, yo, you tell somebody, yo, uh, if you want to be good at basketball, the first thing you have to do is just get on the court um, right. and shoot. And so if somebody doesn't want to get on the court as far as emceeing, um, there's nothing I could do, you know? So for anyone right. out there, that's the first thing is just, just get on the mic. Um, I think the first thing um, I usually coach people in doing, because I've coached tons of DJs in this, um, the first thing I usually coach people is a mandatory um, hi, uh, my name is. Right. And we're gonna have a good we're gonna have a good night. Um, if you if you can if you can get out and just introduce yourself and say hi, my name is da da da. How you guys feeling? Good. Okay, we're gonna have a good night. Um, I think the rest of it comes naturally. After that, I would encourage some form of uh, just uh, constant reminders that I'm here. And um, are you guys having a good time? And then. Uh, a mandatory closing. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Genuinely, actually say thank you. Like, literally say, my name is da-da-da, and thank you. I think that that right there is enough for a lot of people. They'll, that's fine. 
um, but it's also a launch pad to putting your personality into the party um, through the mic if you are interested in doing that. Right. So. Yeah, give yourself like a little outline, basic. Okay, these are the three things I'm for sure going to do, and then I could develop right. it like as I go. Right, right, right. Um, dope. Well, uh, yo, during this time, you've been crazy busy, like putting out music, right? I've seen mm -hmm. endless releases. Um, I mean, as far as same with the quarantine clashes and all the content you've been putting out. But, um, I know just in the past week, uh, or couple the month, like you've had a bunch of stuff come out. Um, like, uh, let's see, like the stuff with Davido and, um, I listened to like four songs last night and they were all totally different styles. Like one of them was kind of like a future bass almost style. One of them was like mm -hmm. minimal so, Spanish guitar, you know, mm -hmm. um, rumba, like, rumba, rumba. Yeah, that shit yep. was dope. And then the, you had like on that, what was it? That mascara song, like the drums with the little kick, uh, scratch in there. Um, there was just, everything was dope. Up. Like another yeah. like rap song, like like Afrobeat style song. Um, like obviously you're DJing and your background as, you know, being so like diverse in the music game gives you like the knowledge to be able to do that, right? Like put out mm -hmm. four totally different styles of music all with your name on it. Mm -hmm. um, what um, And then also like some of the other stuff uh, – you put out, you know, that's been, I think, something that will play on forever and is legendary is and classic music is uh, coffee. Right. You were behind that. Mm -hmm. And that shit is super dope. Um, yeah. And you're a bang album. Respect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was going through all that. I mean, it's just so dope how you can be all over the place musically. And I think that speaks to your, you know, DJ skills and all that. How'd you Respect. come up? with the concept for um that uh, your album a bang oh yeah just traveling you know i went to africa and i realized the similarities and i just thought that this was the perfect idea to uh bridge uh, africa and the caribbean right and it just really like brings it together and i mean i mm -hmm. i haven't heard anything else that does it like that and and really yeah. like puts the concept together you know right right mm -hmm. um what's uh What's some of the stuff people should look out for that you had come out this month or any recent stuff? Man, just follow me at Walshy Fire. All my stuff is there. That everyone, yo, my I'm dropping so much music right now. So much. Um, yeah, COVID had everything kind of backed up. And so I really want to make sure that everybody uh, gets the music and gets it effect efficiently. So right. I want to be able to just drop stuff as fast as I can. Yeah, I noticed it, it, you, there was like so much coming out. I love it. And I mean, I've been playing your stuff forever and, mm -hmm. you know, all the stuff you come out, the DJ community supports. Um, and uh, also, I like how it all has like a positive message. Like I saw you talking about pushing positive music, no negative vibes. Um, is that like a mission? I know you do that in Major Laser as well. Is that like a mission that you have with all of your music as a whole? Yeah, definitely. Like no question. No question. Dope. And um, what's your, like, do you have a process for making a song or is it all over the place since it's so different? Yeah, just go with the flow, man. No no set process at all. Right. And what about, like, putting a DJ set together since you're at so many different places? Do you do that or? Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, if I'm in France, I know all the French hit songs, so I'll put a list together and 
Yeah, man. I think preparation is always going to be the key to success for sure. Right. Like, do you have like certain ways that you organize? Are you on Serato or? Yeah. Uh, okay. Shout out so, to Serato. Yeah. Shout, huge shout to Serato. I mean, you're doing the stream on Twitch, so obviously, but did they, um, do you have a certain way of organizing your stuff? Like, so you're just ready to go, like in any situation? Um, no, just really just preparation, man. I just take my time and um, categorize everything by music, uh, genre. And right. then, you know, have uh, uh, um, folders in between in those that make it more clear and easy for me because, uh, yeah, I've it's happened many times. I've pulled up to a party and I didn't expect a certain crowd of people. And then I'm able to pull the trigger because I'm very well organized as a DJ. Yeah, I think that's important. Just the more prepared you are, the more confident you'll be. And for all that, just to get on the mic or anything, if you know mm -hmm. your music. Yep. That's dope. Um and what about like your ideal DJ setup? You like playing on turntables or CDJs? Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. I think uh, I think I'm finally getting used to the CDJs now, so I probably say CDJs. But I'm I'm, I'm obviously a vinyl and turntable person. So right. Um, and has be being on this lockdown and having to do these shows like this and streaming has that given you a new perspective on DJing at all? Yeah, that is probably not going to come back, and so I'm just prepared to. Uh, um, to be a part of that um, that uh, transition over into whatever's next, and that you know, for sure, the way we know it might not come back. And uh, if it lives on virtually through online DJ sets, that's cool. But I think um, I think it's very, very, very much uh, a whole new system now. Right. And so I just want to make sure that I'm. I'm able to uh, have some ownership and have some uh, some legacy in in a new system that allows me to maybe even have a platform for other people to do things like DJ and me not DJ so much. Right, and so you really think it's not going to come back in the same way ever, like it was. But of course, that's all speculation. I have no, you know, no one knows. But no, in of my course. heart, in my heart, I've I've had so many shows canceled. Um, and so many of them canceled last minute. Like I had a show in Tahiti that would have been this weekend uh, and they just canceled, you know, and those kinds of things are like, uh, fear is a hard thing to get over. It's a very hard thing to get over. And, um, you know, how long will it be before people don't have that fear? I don't know. That's true. And so do you think, what do you think it is going forward? Like producing these shows and being in the virtual world? Yeah. And eventually figuring out a way to, uh, um, make people feel the same way that they felt when they were hanging out together so that that could be normal. I mean, I think it will be normal. I think by the time, um, you know, in five years, no one will even could very well remember what was going outside like, you know, it could, I mean, yo, that, and that's not a, that's not like, I'm not being, you know, I, I'm being very serious. 10 years from now, um, those eight year olds will be 18 and they've never been outside. And so for them, the way that they party, you know, because they would have started at 15 like we did, um, it would be totally normal to them. Totally right. normal. And they'll, they'll look at pictures and be like, wow, that's a lot of people at a festival. You know, you show them a picture of Coachella and it's like, they're going to be like, okay, cool. Yeah, that looks cool. But guess what? I'm doing something dope and I love it. And that's good for you old guys that used to go out and stand in mud and, you know, and all that stuff. That's cool. But I'm not doing that. And it'll, it'll, it'll literally just be that. 
it'll be gone that that easily you know so i, I that's an interesting take and i i don't disagree um i think it's almost like we were pushed into this a little too early like the technology isn't there yet like you right. said to for people to get the same feeling it's still trying to catch up and and we're like all right we'll do it on zoom or we'll do it this way and it's not ready yet but this is i think forcing people to they're going to be creating new systems for us to be able to be more interactive mm -hmm. and Sure. And you do your sound clashes, you know, more make it feel more like the crowd's there. And who knows what's going to happen in the next year or two. Absolutely. Um, is there, have you, um, is there any lessons you've learned from things you've tried that haven't gone your way? Like not necessarily a failure, but something that you were. Man, that's a deep one. I don't know. I'd have to sit down and think. Okay. But I'm going to say, yeah, obviously there has been, but I can't think of an instance now. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but as f how about like from just being home f for this year? I mean, we sort of just went over it, but has it taught you anything like having to not travel as much as you used to? You used to be on the go, like in a different country every day, right? No, <laughs> not really. Not more than anything that I think is the obvious. You know, it just yeah. makes you understand uh, and appreciate what you had. Um, and it also makes you appreciate what you have. And yeah. uh, that's it, really. It really is just a moment where you have to take stock of what's going on and and uh on, and appreciate it yeah that's true yeah. um so as far as the back back in the day when we used to travel the world <laughs> um i know you've toured all over the world like you said um and you know with yourself with major laser um is there somewhere that you could name off that was like one of the most mind-blowing places that you've performed i mean poco pop belgium um, Kenya Nights in Kenya. It's too many. I, yeah. I, I was doing like 300 shows a year, so I, I mean, know. they're all special. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what about um, like keeping your creativity flowing during this time? Is that like hard at all? Mm -hmm. Or are you just like, I'm going all in and just making music nonstop? Yeah, just making music nonstop. There's nothing else to do. Just right. make music nonstop, yeah. Just going in. And um, all right, dope. Well, um, Oh, and then I also saw that you're the governor of the board of the Florida chapter of the Recording Academy. Do no, you still do that? Oh, that's no, in no, your no. bio from back in the day. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I just, I just left the um, the board. Yeah, man. Um, and that's only because of this whole COVID thing. So I left the board. So I can just focus on really. It takes up a, lot, a good amount of time, and you just really want to focus on things that are going to really uh, help me. I think everyone should be very selfish at these moments and uh what are the things that are going to help me right now and so that's that's one of those things you know yeah i agree dope all right i asked uh the internet to give you some questions i got a couple that i could read off if you're open to it yeah, yeah. we got someone wrote you have such a mellow kind of chill vibe about you when was the last time you lost your cool <laughs> does that happen <laughs> Good question. I do have a very mellow, chill vibe. <laughs> um, I'm I'm gonna say it's been a minute, man. You, you know, there's certain things, right? Like, um, you understand. Um, I think when I when you look at where people come from, you begin to really understand where their temperament comes from. Uh, and so, therefore, I used to have one of those temperaments. 
um, because I grew up in, in, in the ghetto. And so um, I would be very easily triggered, uh, you know, and uh, things, things went bad a lot of nights. But then you begin to lose people. You begin to see really how precious every moment is. Um, you begin to also look at your place in life. And you look around you and you realize that uh, most people that you grow up with never, never do anything um, of any great, great significance. Um, they pretty much stay in the same community with a person that they've known from the same community and make a family and they and that's their life and that's cool um, but when you're like me and you realize that's not what you want for yourself you uh you understand that the only thing that can stop you from evolving and moving into where you'd like to be is your is your temperament um you can uh get angry and make a bad decision, you'll never go anywhere. You could, you could be in a prison forever. You could be in a, a graveyard forever. And because I've skinned those moments by my teeth, I will say, many times, many fights, many shootouts, many of those moments, and I'm here, um, I no longer desire to allow someone else to trigger me to go back to that kind of an emotion that doesn't allow me uh, to move forward. Those emotions, anger, that emotion only stops you because the chances of you doing something really silly are so high that you end up just being, um, you end up putting yourself in danger. And I got too many people that I need to take care of. And so therefore, for me, getting angry is a thing that um, I've done enough of. I've done enough of it, man. So when I have somebody that's like uh, really mad and pissing me off, I'm, I'm much more likely to have a stern conversation than to do what I used to do and get loud and angry and, you know what I'm saying, all of that. So for me, it's very much a, a point of being, you know, conscious, aware, and constantly thinking four steps ahead. What could possibly happen? Um, and anger doesn't get the job done, you know. You can, you can, you can yell at somebody. And that doesn't mean they're going to do it right now. Um, so I've just learned those lessons in life, man. And I, I mean, I, of course, you know, I've had elders that had um, this kind of temperament now that I have. And I saw that they were very happy. And I'm much happier now knowing that there's nothing anybody can do at all that could get me angry. There's nothing. And that doesn't mean that somebody won't um, be able to get me annoyed or frustrated like you know you're on the phone call trying to get something done and you're on hold for two hours yeah you're like oh yeah, yeah what is going on here right 
But when that person answers the phone, I don't, I don't curse them out. Yeah, of course. Because I can't get, I can't get what I'm trying to get. And I've been a hustler. I've been a finesser. Like, you know, I know how to get people to get on my side so that I can get everybody to move forward. And I really um, have mastered that skill. And so I no longer get angry at all. That's, that's great. I think that's like such a insight into your background and a life lesson to everyone if they could take something from it. Um, what about, let's see, someone else wrote, do you have, um, well, they asked about library management, which I think you already kind of discussed, and health tips for tour DJs, which we don't know if that will ever even be a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that's a, that's a conversation for last year, but um, health is important, and you know what you're doing is wrong when you eat that cheese pizza at 2 a.m. You know you're doing it, that's bad. And so, you know, just go with what you know. Yeah. That's the truth. All right. Someone hit up and said, when is Laserism album coming out? Soon is not an answer. Soon. Okay, perfect. Soon. Peep that. Um, and we discussed this kind of, but why is, uh, they want to know why Winwood Coyo Taco is such a special place for you. We talked about it earlier in the episode, I think. I don't know if you have anything else to say about it. No, I think I said enough, man. It's definitely just one of those places that hopefully they'll get to experience it as well. It's a special yeah. place. And finally, someone asked, uh, any new collabs with Colombian artists coming? Uh, I would love to work with, uh, there's a guy named Jiggy. Uh-huh. Uh, there's another group called Ch uh, Tone that I've been really trying to work with. Um, you know, Colombia is, to me, is probably uh, my number one want to work with place on the planet right now. Wow. So... The answer is hopefully yes. I would love to make that happen. Absolutely. So, and, and I know, I mean, you've worked with some of the biggest people in the world. Do you still have any on your list, like that dream collaborations that you want to do? Yeah, um, but that list would be so long. I wouldn't even start to name. It'd just be like an endless list of people I'd love to work with. So, yeah, my right. enough people. I know. I mean, you're such a music fan. Like, I feel like yeah. you could do a song with anyone and like do it right. Yeah, I'm a true music fan, man. True, true. That's the truth. Um, dope. Well, um, do you uh, do you have any advice for like up and coming DJs or DJs that are trying to make their way in this world now? Just uh, nope. do your thing. I, every time I get that question, I'm always like, because my journey is my journey. My right. path is my path. I, I can't tell you um, when I didn't walk in your shoes and you didn't walk in my shoes because I didn't just become a like, you know, I'm not. Like, you, even if they listen to the stories I've said, like, I didn't wake up and go, I want to be a DJ. Of and course. Then immediately, and, then if, and then if I ever did, I didn't, but if I ever did, I never immediately asked anybody, like, yo, what's it going to take for me to be a DJ? I just started doing it. I just started doing it. And I knew that I was a music lover, so the passion was there, but I just started doing it. And, you know, and so advice to people who I think are trying to look for the quick, easy way um to me it's like almost like an insulting question um not that i take it as an insult but you know it kind of says hey uh i'm not willing to go out there and just do it and figure it out i want somebody to tell me what should i do and it's like there's no answer to that you gotta just go and do it and you'll make tons of mistakes and that's what's gonna make you better right yeah i hear what you're saying i think 
there comes a point where you do hear other people talking about their experiences and you can relate some part of it towards something, you know, with yourself and, and use it for inspiration. But exactly. There's no blueprint to like, this is no how you blueprint. do it. Let me tell you something, man. I think that everybody that asked that question, they genuinely in their mind see the person that they want to be like and have no clue that that person has been most likely doing that for 20 years. Doing what they're doing right now. You doing mean. what they're saying. Whatever it is that somebody's like, man, you got to give me some advice on how do I get to where you are. And they don't understand, yo, they've been doing that for 20, I've been doing this for 25 years. Exactly, yeah. It, it's like when people are like, yo, teach me to scratch. And I'm like, all right, I just practiced for 18 years straight <laughs> to be able to figure right. out this one thing. Right. Uh, so, so go yeah, do that like, and then hit me up. <laughs> yeah, so you get what I'm saying. Like, I, To yeah. everyone listening, I don't mean insulting. I just mean it has that tone where it's just like, yo, I can't understand why that question would be something um, that you ask unless you truly don't grasp the scope of what's right. happening because if you did then you'd be like yeah i can't i can't i just gotta go do it i just gotta go scratch that's the only way to learn that is to go scratch you know exactly yeah like that's i in no way thought this would be my job or something i would do you know for the rest of my life but um i would just go scratch and go practice all day every day all right. night you know so right it is something that if you know inside of you that that's what you should be doing just go do yeah. it mm -hmm. um dope well um is there so obviously people can follow you on your website, your Instagram, and all that, and just see all the music that you're putting out, um, yeah. and follow the uh, sound clashes every Saturday on Serato. For right no now, Jing yeah. Bang. Mm -hmm. For no right Jing now, Bang. <clears throat> right for the next eight weeks. Um, yeah. You got any other things planned um, coming up? People should look out for or just nah, follow just you. follow me, follow me, and I'll I'll I'll, sh I'll drop the knowledge there. Yeah. Dope. Yo, well, Walsh you Fire, thank you for coming on the 20 Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right, man. Cheers. All right, All right peace. Yeah. And that was the 20 with DJ Spider.